All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Thrive After Sports podcast. I'm really excited for the guests I have on here today. She's a former Stony Brook alum. She played basketball at Stony Brook. We were there around the same time. I'm here with Whitney Davis. What's up, Whitney? What's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Excited for this. I've been looking forward to this all day. And um, I was telling you before, I don't like to do long bios or intros. Nobody can introduce you better than yourself. But what I will say about Whitney is that she's absolutely hilarious. Um, it's been inspiring to watch her journey since we both left Stony Brook. Uh, she's a comedian. She has her own series. So she's a, a producer. I mean, sky's the limit. But Whitney, how do you introduce yourself these days? So I introduce myself first as a creative. I'm a very creative person. Um, but I have a lot of titles. Um, director, writer, a comedian, producer. Um, yeah, like you said, I have my web series, The Wit Series. We're working on season two. Um, I am currently finishing up a movie, my first co-written movie out here in Nashville uh, with Joseph Ebanks. And I'm part of it. I got a lot going on, which I'm grateful for. And um, yeah, like you said, sky's the limit. And I'm excited. What? Okay, how much can you give away on the movie? When is the movie dropping? Like, give us a sneak peek if you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the movie, um, so it should be dropping this year. And it's called She's Such a Lady. It is a comedy slash rom-com. And um, we have a lot of, a lot of nice big names attached to it um, in Nashville and just people who have been influencers. Um, but it is really funny and it's quality. Um, my partner, Joseph Ebanks, he has like top notch equipment. So I'm learning so much and um, we're, we're going to get some distributors and we, we plan to push it really, really uh, persistently. So we're going to see what happens. So. All right, now go ahead on. Go ahead on. I see you making big moves. Hey, I'm just glad I got you now. Otherwise, I would have to go through an assistant or something to get you on the podcast. Like, you know <laughs> yeah, I, hey it's about the team that's what i'm trying to build now is a team that, that's gonna be nice i respect it that's right and my bad i left out of the intro director and writer as well i said producer as in you produce your own series and you mentioned before we started recording you're working on season two but you actually write and direct your own series like on top of being a comedian on top of putting out hilarious content like matter of fact I usually talk about social media at the end, but if people want to pause this episode and just go check you out on social media, where should they follow you at? Yeah, so you can find me at Just Witty, J-U-S-T-W-H-I-T-I. -I. Um, you can find me at Wit Series, W-H-I-T-S-E-R-I-E-S, and LaBelle Productions, which is my production company. Um, LaBelle under slash productions, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. There's so many opportunities. Uh, I actually edited the WIT series season one too. So I learned how to edit. Honestly, I, I just try to eliminate excuses and just get it done. So I wear a lot of hats, but the reward is the final product. So I'm excited for everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, y'all, make sure you pause the episode right now. Go get you a good <laughs> laugh in. Check out all Wit's social media handles. She's absolutely hilarious. Uh, and I don't say that about everybody. Some people be like, oh, this person's so funny. And then you go check out the content. It's like, I mean, I guess. 
but Whitney actually has me rolling. So no disrespect to anybody. Um, <laughs> but wait, I want to get into the to the journey, like because obviously you didn't just wake up or you didn't graduate from Stony Brook and finish playing ball, and now all of a sudden you were, you know, doing everything you're doing now. Um, as I mentioned to everybody listening, Whitney and I were were teammates. I'm sh- what am I talking about? Teammates? Like we <laughs> we were student mates, right? Student mates. We were both student athletes at Stony Brook. All they in the although in the world we live in today, you know, all what I had to do is identify as a women's basketball player. Next thing you know, I might be in the WNBA right now. But that anyway, part. I'm saying too much. I'm gonna get canceled. This is the, thanks for being on the last episode of the show. I'm getting canceled for talking bad about the woke mob is coming for me. I shouldn't have said it. No way. I shouldn't have said it. I mean, just a ima- like you know, the coach comes in. If you were at Stony Brook and the coach comes into the the locker room one day, like, all right, ladies, we got a transfer. She just came from Kentucky and she comes in and she's six eight with a whole mustache, wingspan wide as the gym, you know. And then you know, I'm not going to drag you into this. No, you fine because I I literally my cousin reposted Dave Chappelle. I feel like made a joke about that. And just the equality. He's like, okay, if LeBron decided to go to WNBA, he'd be scoring 800 points a game. And, you know, and, and it was really funny. But that's what I enjoy about comedians is they could, I mean, they probably get canceled too, but they can make comedy out of, you know, a lot of things that are happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> exactly. What a time to be alive. We'll just leave it at that. Word. Um, so you left Stony Brook and then, so what happens next? Like, I know you, you continue playing basketball. What happened after you graduated from Stony Brook? Yeah, so um, so first of all, at Stony Brook, I, I got my degree in sociology because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I feel like a lot of athletes feel that way. But I, I knew that I was good at videography. I knew that I liked to record, but I didn't have the courage to get that go to that direction so I just got a default degree so I do want to advise people you know in college who are athletes you know granted the education is free but you sacrificing yourself so it's really not free however you want to when you leave you want to make sure you got something that that matters to you you know and so um I just want to put that out there because my degree I'm grateful for. I work for the state, which I wouldn't be able to if I didn't have it. But you look back and be like, dang, if I, if I knew myself now, I probably would have went a different route. Some people do. So back to your, <laughs> your question. That was a long answer. Um, no, so that was great. Can we, can we, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to, I appreciate you actually bringing that up because I think the fact that you felt called to go there, somebody needed to hear that right now. And, you know, people have heard me say time and time again on the show, I got uh, a multidisciplinary studies degree. So you know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I just say communications because communications was one of the okay. three buckets. So I got one of the basket weaving degrees as well. Um, then I was just happy to be there, just happy to get an education, you know. Um, so I love, mm-hmm. I love that you talked about, like, actually advocating for what you want to do. Don't just let them throw you into a major have some sense of direction. You're not going to have it all figured out, but at least try to do something somewhat related. So I appreciate you sharing that. So did you, did you actually go into social work? I know you said you played show basketball for a little bit after you left uh, Stony Brook, right? Yeah. So I feel like 
I won't even speak for most athletes, but for me, I was trying to find my niche that was still connected to basketball or figure out how to give back. And so when I graduated, um, I was a transfer to Stony Brook. So um, I went to Muskegon Community College. And so I decided to assist coach after I graduated Stony Brook. And there I was like, man, I learned a lot about myself. I feel like every step you're gonna learn about yourself. But assistant coaching, I learned that I still wanted to play. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to teach passion and it's, it's kind of hard to, um, I guess, figure out your way live. But it was such a great experience to coach and connect with the women and, um, you know, just give back in that way. So, so that lasted a year. And then I went to California. 2013 and I, um, I wanted to model, try to figure out how I could model. So my cousin lived out there and I was out there for six months and I was really green. I didn't know much, but I, I did get to see a world and I feel like it's, it's all God's provision, everything that happened. But um, then I got called for show basketball and I was uh, 2013, 2014 and the Harlem Ambassadors uh, picked me up and it, it's a show team um, similar to the Globetrotters, but the women kind of lead the skits and uh, interact with the crowd and the men dunk and um, it's like a show. So that lasted six months and um, I went back home. I tried to go overseas, that didn't work out. So I, I started working factory because um, state jobs back home in Michigan you know, it'd be workers there that's been there 20 years. So they're not trying to let nobody new in the door. So, you know, opening for that might be five years. Like, mm. So I, I worked factory um, and then Nashville, my mom moved to Nashville and she worked for the state. And then they, I got hired here. So I've been here since 2015. And uh, I know that was, that was long and I mean, it's a lot, but. <laughs> no, yeah. I think. No, I appreciate you sharing all that because what it does is it really details what we go through when we're done playing. And you're just like, man, I still want to play, but I also have to make money. And I think I might want to try to do this or I might want to do that. And you try things and you just find yourself kind of bouncing around unless you have a clear picture. And then I remember there was a turning point because, you know, I've been, you know, admiring from a distance, just watching everything you're up to. There was a point where you just out of nowhere started putting out funny content. And then I start seeing about the series. And I'm like, whoa, that's dope. She's like, you know what I'm saying? She's on her Issa Rae right now, like just producing and putting out content. Like, how did all that even come about? Yeah, so I've um, I've always carried a camera around me since like, since high school. So even around like playing basketball, I've always had a camera. And for the team, I would have us shooting skits. I would have us doing shows like in hotel rooms, um, in conference, on the bus. It was always a part of me, but um, I just never, I never gave it a real chance. So 2015, I, I started getting jokes and I got a MacBook um, from the tour, the pro, uh, pro basketball tour, I could afford a MacBook. So I got one and then iMovie, I was like, I can create movies in here. And Destiny, I don't know if you know Destiny. Um, yeah, Destiny guy, Jacobs, right? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly. She had a MacBook, so we used to like make songs and stuff on there. We got team songs, but I was from. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, so I just started doing skits and I, I love to write, I love to joke. And um, shortly after I moved to Nashville, I took an improv class because stage, I had stage fright like nobody's business. So um, I was like, okay, I gotta face this fear. It ain't going nowhere. So um, I took that and then I got into open mic comedy and then I, I got into writing the show for the Wit series. So it, it's been steps, gracious steps, but it's been, you know, acts of faith every time. Because it's scary sharing and being creative online and not knowing what's going to happen, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned it being scary at first, but I would imagine, at least from what I was seeing, once you started to put stuff out, especially, you know, consistently, you got a lot of love. Did that kind of motivate you to keep going and keep writing and keep putting out content? Yeah, so I've been doing skits since 2015. Um, Literally skits, playing three characters. I would, you know, get different angles, chop it up. And I I wasn't getting that much love back then. But then last year, I, I randomly uploaded a prayer praying for my future husband. So it was, it was, it was like sarcastic, but it was kind of serious and it went viral. I'm like, out of all the stuff, <laughs> this prayer in my car. And, and so I just started doing that and my following started growing. And um, I mean, I just, I'm still finding my niche, but I always want my content to be transparent and relatable. So that's what keeps me on the ground and keeps it easy to produce. But I don't know. That's a good question because some you would feel like you would feel more confident, but just being human, it's like you just never know. And algorithms, it's like. I, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it all for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, um, it's so interesting you say that because like, it's also unique because I don't want to say like. I'm not even going to try to put it into a box. You can't really put what you do into a box. But one thing I love is that you really, um, number one, you're transparent about your faith in God. And I think that the way you're able to weave that into a lot of your material, um, and I'm just really talking about from what I see on Instagram, the way you weave it into your material, but it's still hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what was the one I saw recently? Uh, This is like fresh in my mind where, Basically, you were being rescued by Spider-Man and you were making him. Can you just describe that one? Like, I, I want to point people to that one because that one was too funny. Like, That's so funny. <laughs> so I, I literally seen that filter. So it's, it's the filter where Spider-Man is swinging and, and you, your face is being saved by Spider-Man. So I was like, you know, how can I make this unique and funny? Because I think silence is funny. You know, when you're talking to somebody and they're not responding. So I'm like, okay, if I if I witness the Spider-Man, tell him about the Lord, you know, and and you know, compliment his talents, but knowing that we still got a savior, and um, <laughs> you know, and, and even he's been sweating all day. I try to put myself there. And so I even kind of gagged because I was up in the air, like, you know, scared of heights. But um, yeah, that that was pretty much it. I, I literally just be kind of improving. And then 
I might do it a couple more times and get more jokes. And then I actually get dressed and then record it. Most of the time I'm, I'm just lounging when I get ideas, but that, that was a, yeah, that a lot of people like that one. Yeah, that was, no, that was funny. That's the one that most recently sticks out in my mind. But um, you just brought up something important because you kind of went into your process a little bit of how you shoot content. What mm-hmm. about the process of, like, I want to talk about the series. Um, I know you're working on season two right now. Uh-huh. So how does one actually, and I'm thinking about my brother right now. My brother's been working on the series. He's been writing on it for a minute. So I'm being selfish right now, trying to get your insight. Like, Oh, you do you did. write it first or do you write a little bit at a time? Like what's your process for, for creating a series? Yeah. So, so the Wit series, so funny story. Um, and this could help somebody too, but I was invited to be a part of a podcast by this guy, J-Dub. And so he was like, we doing a podcast. So I'm like, I don't really like my voice, but I'm gonna just try. So I went there and um, the producer for that podcast, his name is Zachary Pope. Uh, his company is called Massey TV. So I wasn't a good fit for the podcast, but he was like, man, I think we should do a show like starring you. What do you think about it? So I'm like, I just been doing skits. I'm like, man, can I even carry a show with my acting abilities? So I was like, yes, because I decided to say yes that year to scary things. And so um, me and him wrote the show. It was my first partnership um Celtics is a good uh screenwriting website if he wants to figure out how to because I I didn't even know how to write like screenwriting and um so me and Zach literally would write and it updates real time so we would write different scenes we we learned ourselves as partners what's funny what's not funny and uh we just grinded it out and even my partnership with Joe for the movie, we use Celtics. And honestly, I think I was the first girl that they've ever partnered with or partnered with, period. So it was nice to learn team, you know, team, I guess, uh, ideas with different people. And um, so, yeah, so we wrote the script and, and Zach was connected to a lot of people in Nashville. So we mm-hmm. literally just took a chance on people. It's like, do you want to be, because everybody working for free. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody got real jobs. We all adults. So we, we came up with the core cast who, who wanted bad. And I literally come to set meeting new people and going in the bathroom, like, okay, wait, just breathe. You got this. You know your lines. Just, just do it. And that's been my life, honestly, since. I just go gather myself say a quick prayer you know 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 the person because I feel like certain parts of you is only activated through faith so Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is I won't know what's inside of me until I show up somewhere that I'm not familiar with it's the only way I can keep growing which is scary (laughs) but um yeah, that's kind of been the process. People just keep coming back. And then we we made it and I edited all of it. Um, it, it was a lot, but it, it's rewarding. And we actually, um, we're going to be pitching it to some, some nice companies and stuff. So hopefully you see it like on Netflix soon. And so we, we still working on trying to 
we learning, trying to get it, you know, uh, streamlined and stuff. So, how does that work? So, when you pitch your um, your show, uh-huh. are you pitching the season like season one that's already been recorded, or are you as you're working on season two? Do you pitch season two while it's in in motion? How do you go about doing that? Yeah. So my partner Zach, because certain companies, um, what I've heard is that they only even have meetings with people that they have relationships with. Mm. So, so like Netflix, for instance, I've heard that they only have meetings with people connected through other people. So my partner, Zach has a connection. So we're literally learning me and him learning about pitch pitches, you know, and, um, doing our research and, and we have really good, um, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, what am I trying to say? We have good resources basically to present our things in a, in a great way. So like artwork and like when you click on Netflix and you see the artwork and you see the bio, we we're in the process of getting all that stuff together so that when we do present it, cause we want to finish season two before we present it. Right. Um, so we can have at least two seasons and see what, what's what but we definitely want to come correct (laughs) for an opportunity like this. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was like, at the beginning, you introduce yourself as a creator and everything else you do falls under that umbrella of being a creator. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people would consider themselves creative, whether it's music or painting or, you know, um, you know, comedy or video, whatever it is that you do. Uh But you it's the work ethic and the consistency that I see from you. Did that, do you think you carried any of that over with you from basketball into like how you handle your business now and how you operate with being a creator? Absolutely. I think, I think sports um, pushes you mentally, physically out of comfort, especially if, if you want to be good at it, you push yourself. And so you have to be disciplined. You got to be on time or you're going to run. You know, (laughs) know, the way you said that, you're going to (laughs) run. You are, you know. And so I, even though that was a really hard adjustment for me too, after I graduated, knowing that I don't have to be so productive. I feel like, um, you know, having two a days, you just constantly busy as a student athlete. And when you wake up and you're not doing much, you might not feel as good about yourself or you feel like you have to be busy all the time. And um, I'm still, I'm a busy body, so I'm still adjusting to that. But um, getting back to your question, I definitely think basketball helped me. Even when I'm in tough spaces mentally, I have to get back to that place. Because even when I hooped, I did my best when I didn't think that hard. And, and when I start overthinking, that's when I mess up. So I know if I'm acting, I have to just be natural in it. Or if I overthink, each it's going to be a tougher process. So as far as consistency, um, I get ideas all the time. So I literally just record them on my phone and I, I might write more but I make up in my mind how many skits I want to shoot a week, um, what I want to do outside, exercise three times a week. I just try to keep a schedule because I know where I'm going. I'm going to have to 
be disciplined. I, and nobody's telling me now, but I know in the future I, it'll be a demand. So I'd rather it be a easy transition versus, you know, anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so this is something that I wanted to ask you about too, because what well, one thing I'm, I'm really wanting to do with this show, aside from just doing solo episodes, aside from bringing on um, like athletes that I'm working with, I've been trying to be really intentional lately about bringing on former athletes who are doing different things. Like you're the first person I've had, I've had on here who is a comedian or has their own series. So it's like, yeah, as the show goes on, it's like now, you know, the generations of athletes coming up behind us when they tap into the show, there's so, it's like a buffet of former athletes doing great things. And now you're one of those people is like being creative. And so what I want to ask you about is like, there are a lot of people who, uh, have certain gifts, whether they're gifted musically or, you know, just creative people, but they, they, uh, I guess, belittle their own gifts or don't really act on them because they feel like, oh, I can't make money off of it. Or um, what if people laugh at me or they, they don't think it's good? Like, what is it about? Because like you said, at first, you weren't getting a lot of traction until you had the viral video. But what is it about, like, maybe you can give some advice to those people right now. Like, what has kept you going with and exercising your creative gifts and continuing to execute on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, I think God gives us all something special. That's why we're made. I think we all have purpose. Um, how I connected to comedy was I was naturally funny. Growing up, I, I didn't try. People just laughed at me. I mean, at my jokes, not at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be a different, but um, yeah, so so I feel like we compare a lot because of social media. We value ourselves based off of social media, myself included. I have to put myself in check a lot. Like my value doesn't come from likes. It doesn't come from comments. It comes from purpose and, and ultimately me, I mean, God, I, I try to feel valued from the source, but I don't mean to get religious. Um, no, go ahead. This is your space. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, I, I do. And I have to surrender those thoughts to God when I, when I overthink things. But either way, I feel like, I feel like we have to value ourselves, how we're made, because it's only one of us. It sounds so cliche, but somebody is looking for you. I literally have an opportunity. Well, I'm, I'm working on a movie with uh, Fred Hammond. He's, he's like a gospel legend. And he direct messaged me and asked me if I want to be a part of the movie. And he was like, when I met him in person and I started doing a scene, he was like, just make it just witty. Just do what you do online. I was like, wow, I could just be myself. Cause that's what people are looking for authenticity and so my first thing would be just to just to find out who you are find out how to like yourself i'm very goofy quirky lame i've been called a lot of things in my day but i just know it's just because of my silliness it's just who i am naturally but it's like that's what people enjoy about me even if they can't enjoy it about themselves because people are depending on you to be yourself too, so they could eventually 
take those steps towards freedom. I think we all looking for freedom in ourselves. And so um, for the person who, who's ultra talented or really good with connecting with people, cause it's different gifts, you know, really good with serving people. I, I would say, go for it and have grace with yourself with each step. Cause nothing is, you know, nothing is perfect. You're going to fail, you know, you're going to succeed, but it's like loving yourself in each area and um, letting, letting God take care of the rest. Cause honestly, I can't even plan. I just keep telling them yes. And it, it'd be making me emotional. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what I'm saying yes to, but I trust you and I trust your plan for my life. So I must be equipped if it's happening. So let me just get this equipment. <laughs> Walk on up in now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because if you know, if anybody, if you guys are listening to the audio, you're not watching this on video. The way, the way when he just said, "Get this equipment," you, you gotta watch the video to see. Yeah, that had me rolling. Um, so another thing, and let me let me preface this next question by giving you an example, and then. Are you good on time? I want to be respectful of your time, by the way. Oh, you're fine. It's like, okay. So when I graduated from Stony Brook, I knew I didn't want to work a corporate job. Mm-hmm. So um, I had been making, it's funny you mentioned while you were, you know, you were making videos and stuff while you were at Stony Brook with your team. I was making beats. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the next Pharrell. I'm going to work in the music industry. Uh-huh. And what happened was I hit this point where, I was like, I realized I wasn't, it was more of a hobby than something I wanted to dedicate my life to. Mm-hmm. And I had to ask myself, are you just giving up because nothing's happening? And I had a real talk with myself and I was like, no, I don't, I don't really see myself like couch surfing and trying to make this work. I'm not that dedicated to it. And then I started doing this, helping athletes. And this was like, this is why I'm here. And yeah. I've never, you know, so my question is when it comes to everything that you're doing now, was there ever a moment where you thought about just like hanging it all up and being like, let me leave all this stuff alone. And then how did you overcome that? Like what, what kept you pushing? I think with anything in life, you, you have, you have rough patches, just period, even in success, obviously in failure, but specifically for me, um, I used to get really discouraged when I first did comedy and I would be putting skits out working really hard. I'm like, this is so funny. Then I might see a viral video of somebody flipping something. I'm like, what in the, you know, <laughs> come here. Cause, cause these jokes. And so um, I think, I think what keeps me connected is the purpose in it. And I, it goes back to, it goes back to Jesus in the Bible. He, he was about the one, you know, you know, the one sheep lost. It's like, if you, if your purpose is impacting one person, then you're doing your just do. And so I, I try to never lose sight of that. And I always feel fulfilled when I um, complete something. So I think fulfillment is important, but with rough, rough patches, I think what keeps me most is um, the purpose behind it and knowing that somebody kind of depended on me, you know? 
And sometimes you don't even know who that person is, but you know that it's impacting somebody. And if, if you don't get no views or no comments, know that it's impacting yourself. Cause I go back to my videos that, that got 10 views and I, the message I'm like, whoa, that's for me right now, five mm. years later, you know? So it's like knowing that all things are working for the good and nothing is for nothing. It's all part of it. Um, Ish, was that a good answer? This is new for me. I think when you watch this back, I mm-hmm. think you'll realize like how spot on your answers are. And then what you just said too about like, um, one of the things that kept you going is how, you know, somebody needs it. So yeah. everything you're saying right now, like people who are going to listen to this podcast, who you'll never speak to, somebody's right. going to be impacted by everything that you said. So that was a great answer. That was the perfect answer. But I think I'll just say this. I think what you've already given so far today is like, Perfect, because you outlined your journey and also gave tips about people to keep going. So I'm trying to think, is there anything that we didn't cover? Like anything that you, before I get to the last question, anything specifically you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, this is kind of, this is kind of what I'm dealing with in real time, as far as like surrendering, surrendering to the journey, uh, surrendering to overthinking about whatever you're producing. Um, I think it's important as a creative not to overthink your process. In anything, entrepreneurship, you know, you wanna be strategic with what you do. You wanna be precise, but I don't think, I think overthinking and um, overanalyzing is traps for creatives. And what I have to do is surrender the results to the Lord. So it's like my responsibility is to do it, put it out there, let it be. Versus trying to control the outcome or or feeling terrible when it's not what you desired or, um, you know, just not letting it impact you, having a distance in between that. Cause that's really keeping me during this time. Cause I'm, I'm thinking about new, um, what is it called? Content. I'm gonna start releasing new content, like adulting one-on-one, you know, jokes about adulting and dating, you know, so it's different territory. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm funny. We're gonna see if it translate. If it don't, we, we gonna figure it out. So. Well, it's already translating. That's that's a great thing about it. I think you you have enough people who love what you do at this point, right? I feel like no matter which direction you decide to go, I think people are going to be receptive to it. But that's because I think you've earned that over the years of continuing to be consistent, put things out. Like you said, even when you felt like giving up, um, you know, trying different things. So, yeah, you're already doing it. That's That's a beautiful thing. I appreciate that. So... I wanted to ask you one final question. Like if you could, if you could sit down in front of, you know, the, the version of yourself who was just graduating from Stony Brook, you just played your last game of basketball, just walked across the stage, like ready to face the world, the real world. What would you say to yourself? Ooh, Whitney, she 22. Um, I would, I would tell her 
you're right on time. You don't have to rush. Um, Cause I feel like there is a subliminal pressure after you graduate to have everything together. And that's pretty unrealistic unless you've been interning for somebody and you got a job lined up. But even then you don't know what's gonna happen. So it's like, you know, just breathe, gather yourself um, and trust the process. Cause you couldn't tell me, oh my God, when I graduated, you couldn't tell me I even be on a podcast or have a show. It's like everything literally works together for the good. And um, that's what I would tell her, just, just chill, relax. You've done well. You've done really good. You made it through college. You got your degree. It was some hard days. So first <laughs> off, yeah, first off, great job. And second off, just, just know you right on time. You know, um, you don't have to rush it. That's what I would tell her. Man, it's all good with and the reason I love that is because as I was listening to you, I know you were talking to your 22-year-old self, but there's another 22-year-old right, right now who needs to hear that. And you just spoke directly to them. So that was good. That was great. Um, I mean, as we, as we begin to wind down a little bit, I just want to, because the whole episode, you dropped so many gems, and I know you touched a lot of hearts on this one. Um, the people who listen to this, these are current athletes, former athletes, both, both collegiate and professional, you know, parents of athletes coaches, um, people in athletic departments. Is there anything on your heart? There's no, like, I don't have a question or anything, anything you just want to share on your heart or your mind that you, you want to share as we wind out? Yeah, I want to share. Um, I want to share for them to believe in something bigger than themselves. For me, it was always God. And um, I mean, I was raised in church and just my relationship, but God, my family, because I, I literally, during conditioning, I would be quoting scriptures. Then I would, when I would get weak, I would picture my grandma, like, I ain't going home, it's a wrap. You know, so so it's bigger than myself. And um, it gives you something to reach to, even if you don't have family or a belief system. You, you could believe in your team, you know, um, something outside of yourself to keep you encouraged, but in the same breath, believe in yourself. Um, because I, identity is real. I, I've, I, I've always identified as an athlete. And so creative was not something I could grasp. So knowing too, that you're more than just an athlete. You know, you have so much more to offer. So I think, I think that's, that's that's been my biggest things to along the way. That's a mic drop moment right there. There it is. Perfect <laughs> way for us to close up. <laughs> hey Wendy, um, this has been phenomenal. I just want to thank you for spending some time today. I know, like I said, people are gonna get a lot out of this episode. I think even when you listen back to this, like I said, you'll be pleasantly surprised by how many gems you dropped. I don't even know if you realize how many gems you dropped. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And uh, no, you did. Trust me. Trust and believe. I do a lot. I've done a lot of these podcasts. This is going to be episode like 170 something by the time this comes <laughs> out. So, um, I mean, I don't have a series or nothing, but, you know, I do have a pretty consistent podcast. Consistency. That's huge. I, I have some questions for you if you have time. I'm good. Yeah, let's go. I'm all ears. 
Okay, so so how did you choose this um, subject matter? Because that, I mean, for you to have 170 episodes of content that's meaningful, that's that's a big deal. Uh, it chose me, kind of like you were saying on your journey. It, this chose me because I had a really tough, and I don't want to bore the listeners to death because they heard my story a million times. But um, just so you know, I had a really tough transition. I was depressed for a while because I didn't make it to the NFL, didn't have a great career at Stony Brook. So that led me to a lot of a lot of drinking, uh, a lot of smoking, just a lot of partying after college, just trying to distract myself because I wasn't happy with who I was or where I was at in life. And so once I got to the other side of that, um, I started making some good money in the recruiting industry because I was and one I realized, oh, the more I lean into helping people, you know, and I was helping people put food on the table for their families, land jobs, prepare for interviews figure out what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That for me was like, man, the more I lean into helping people, the more success I'm having, more promotions, more job opportunities. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, I got to get away from the corporate world. So I took my skills from the recruiting and my love for helping people. And I was like, okay, well, who can I go serve? And I was like, ah, the people who are in the same boat that I was in just a few years ago when I was transitioning out of playing, out of playing ball. Yeah. So that led me to start and thrive after sports. And then after I was about a year or two into the coaching, I decided I wanted to start a podcast because I felt like I could, just like you were saying, I could reach more people. I'm only one person. I can only coach a certain amount of people in a day. So yeah. if I have a podcast, I can have great conversations like this. I can put out solo episodes and I'm impacting people that I'll never even speak to. So that's, I keep that in the back of my mind. Like you were saying, that's what keeps me consistent with, you know, I don't, I'm not getting paid to do this. You know, it's like, I don't have I don't have sponsorships for the podcast, at least. And um, I keep doing it because I want to get the word out. I don't want to help more people. So thank you for that question. No, that's so dope. That's really dope. Um, I know you mentioned, too, about your beats. Um, Are you still passionate about that or you just kind of. Do you still do it? You still make beats or not really? I still. So I do it. I do it because I enjoy the process of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to put them out there or, you know, have people like rap over them or sing over them. It's more so like, you know, how some people after a long day of work, you know, just want to like paint or something. That's me. Yeah. It's therapeutic for me. Like at least once or twice a week, I'll just block off some time. Oh, I put it on my calendar now because otherwise a month or two will go by and I won't do it. So um, like even on Saturday, I'm probably going to wake up first thing in the morning and just start tinkering, or tinkering around in logic and, and throw some beats together. I send them to my brother sometimes. He likes to sing over them. So you just inspired me though. What I'm going to do is once this episode goes off, I'm going to play, uh, one of my old beats, like from when I graduated from college, I'm going to play it at the end of this one. Yeah, I love, I, well, I'm going to have to listen now. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was before, but yeah, that's super dope. I, I think as adults, we definitely have to carve out time to make time for things that make us, you know, happy just naturally. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I draw and I write poetry and stuff, but I don't really do it because I be so busy. Right. But like you said, putting it on your calendar and not looking at it as a duty, but like, okay, I get to do this. It's going to be that's another thing I have to shift my mind from I have to do to this is an opportunity yes exactly it's gonna feel obligation everything gonna be obligation (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. And that's tough when something that oh I'm tripping. I heard my voice for a second. That was weird. Um, but I, I was gonna say it's tough when you especially as a creative person, when you find yourself trying to do things for the sake of like, you know what I mean? Like doing it as a means to an end versus like doing it because you enjoy it. Um, now we all have to make money and make ends meet, of course, but I think there's a there's a beauty to doing things just for the sake of doing them um, and not being attached to what you're going to get from it. And sometimes, crazy enough, those end up being the things that you get rewarded for anyway because you weren't expecting it. So That's so true. Um, I'm actually in the process of becoming an entrepreneur full-time. And just what you said, you know, it's like I create content for fun. But when it becomes an actual job, there is a shift that happens and even strategy and, you know, just different things. So it's like right now I'm processing through that, right? Just writing down and figuring out my game plan. But it's like always keeping love in the midst of the process with my relationship with creativity because I don't want to lose the love for it or you know the the truth to it with business and that that's a whole nother business is matters of the heart and business that's a whole nother Mm -hmm. conversation but yeah that's interesting you said that yeah this has been good this has been a good little, uh, you know, after the show chat. I'm going to keep all this in here, too. This is good. Oh, cool. Um, well, okay. So let's, as I close it out, I just want to say thank you again for coming on. Appreciate your time. Um, you are a prime example of what it looks like to thrive after sports. And last but not least, please, I know you mentioned it earlier, and we'll have everything linked in the show notes so people can go check you out and follow what you're doing. But one last time, just please tell people where they can follow you and how they can get in touch with you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been a great conversation, reflective. I really enjoy what you're doing. Um, I was just on your page earlier and I saw the other interviews. I'm like, man, I think that's why I was kind of second guessing myself. I'm like, they got so much good stuff to say. (laughs) Nothing like me, you know? So. (laughs) No, please. No, this was great. Trust me. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you can find me at Just Witty, J-U-S-T-W-H-I-T-I. Uh, LaBelle Productions, L-A-B-E-L-L-E underscore productions and WIT series, W-H-I-T-S-E-R-I-E-S. So, awesome. It's a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much, Whitney. And uh, for everybody listening, this has been another great episode of Thrive After Sports with Whitney Davis. Make sure you tap into all her social media handles and follow her using the notes below. And she inspired me, like I said, to drop a beat. So I'm going to drop the beat right now from, this is like from 2016. I think that's when I'll quit in here. But here's, here's one of my babies, one of my creative projects right here. See you guys on the next episode. Peace. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah, dope. Whitney inspired me to drop some of my beats. Hopefully this inspires you to, you know, like she said, if you're a creative person, just put your stuff out there. You know, don't worry about being judged. People are going to judge anyway. It is what it is. So you guys might listen to these beats and be like, these are whack. Or you might be like, wow, these are actually pretty dope. Um, I don't have anything new to share because I haven't really um, mixed or mastered any of the new beats. I just like tinkering around because uh, it's therapeutic, like I shared with Whitney. However, I do have some, I have an EP that I was working on back in 2017. So I'm going to share that with you guys right now. Um, I'll try to keep the commentary to a minimum, but I do want to, you know, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my work. So 
Uh, I'll give some commentary, but this next one, this is called four days as in in a days. Um, I made this in 2017 when I was smoking heavily. So this beat is brought to you by marijuana. Enjoy. All right, now this next beat, I was actually in a coffee shop in 2016 uh, on my laptop making beats. And I was like, man, you know what? The ambiance in this coffee shop sounds cool. Like, you know, people taking orders and just the vibe was was cool that day. So what I did what I, was I recorded, this is for all you creatives out there, just check this out. I recorded the sound inside the coffee shop and then I added it in the background of the beat. Check it out. All right, hope you enjoyed that. This next beat is called Tokyo. The sample is from a, um, I don't really use a lot of samples unless I'm sampling someone's voice. Or like in the last one, like I told you, I sampled a coffee shop, like just a recording. Um, this was from some like Japanese documentary I was watching, don't ask me, but they were talking about this concept of omoyari. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's basically, just look it up. It's a 
I don't even know how to spell it, so you probably can't look it up. But um, I thought it was a cool concept that they were talking about. So I recorded these women talking and then made a beat over it, and it's called Tokyo. So check it out. I'm done with my commentary. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play you three more beats and then um, the episode will just end. So I'm gonna play three beats in a row. Enjoy. Oh, and also if you're an artist and you um, you hear these beats and any of them jump out at you, or even if like certain parts, I have a lot of changes and stuff in my music, a lot of beat switches and all that. So uh, if you hear anything that you like, just reach out. It's, you know, they're just sitting on my hard drive. These are just my little creations, my babies. I don't try to promote them or anything like that. Like I told Whitney on the podcast, it's more of a hobby than anything. So if you want them, they're yours. Just hit me up.
Go ahead, Taj.